few weeks back, we were going through our um, reading plan for the year, reading the Bible through chronologically, and uh, came across Joseph, reading the story of Joseph, and it brought back a lot of thoughts and, and things. In Sunday school and men's Sunday school, James has been talking about bitterness this month, and uh, this message would be on that as well. And uh, I think Joseph's life, we can learn so much in Joseph's life. Um, you can learn it directly from Joseph. You can learn it from the people in Joseph's uh, life that God brought into Joseph's life. You can talk about the circumstances that Joseph went through and, and all those sorts of things. But the one thing that always catches me about Joseph is his lack of bitterness. Um, think through your life as I think through mine, and think of all the times where something has happened to you um, as a result of someone mistreating you, and think about what your thoughts were. Uh, I, I, I should not tell you all my faults, but I'm going to today. Um, yesterday, <laughs> yesterday uh, I was coaching basketball for uh, third and fourth graders. And we were losing by about 30 or 40 points, something like that. We were losing by a lot. And uh, so I figured I needed some kind of advantage. And so I started harping on the referees a little hard uh, yesterday because I felt like they were wronging me, um, although their calls wouldn't have changed the score. Um, I just I got a little, little into it yesterday, more so than usual. And yeah, you think about it where we take things personally, we, we have things that happen in our lives and we just, our first reaction is to kind of lock down and say, how dare they do that to me? How, how dare they treat me like that? How dare they, whatever, say that to me? Whatever it is, our first reaction oftentimes is to kind of sit down and throw ourselves a little bit of a pity party and start to get a little... Um, uh, upset with how people treat us. And I look at Joseph's life and I just see the exact opposite from him. Um, and, and this morning I'd like to look at Joseph's life and talk about the idea of don't be bitter. And I've got three points on that and then one point that we'll look at of why Joseph uh, didn't get bitter. And then hopefully we can use that to apply it to our lives and help us to do a better job of not falling into the trap that we oftentimes do. We're going to be in Genesis 37. Let's pray, and then we'll <clears throat> jump right in. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. I pray that you'd clear my mind. Um, Lord, I pray that you would uh, uh, help me to present these thoughts clearly and biblically correctly. Lord, I pray that you'd help us uh, whatever's going on in our hearts and minds today, Lord, that you'd, you'd clear it out so that we can receive what you'd have for us to receive today. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, just help us, help us to to be what you want us to be. Help us to respond correctly when um, circumstances or people do us wrong. And uh, God, help us to, to live a life that is free of bitterness, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we see here, number one, I want us to look at in Genesis 37. Uh, don't be bitter when loved ones fail you. When loved ones fail you. Look in verse number 10. Uh, it says, if I can get there. Is there a sheep in here? I feel like I keep hearing a sheep. Um, and he told, he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him. So this is Joseph sharing his dreams. And said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? 
Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, and his father observed the saying. Now we know in Joseph's life he was his dad's favorite. Uh, there's a lot of lessons that can be taught on that. Parents, you shouldn't have a favorite. Um, but, uh, and, and if you do, you shouldn't let everybody know it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Joseph's dad here, this was the son that Joseph wanted, right? This is the one where, with the wife that Joseph had intended all along. And, and Joseph here had come, and, 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 and his father loved him so much. And as a matter of fact, it says that Joseph would come and, and tell his dad all the bad things that his brothers were doing. There's lessons in that too. Uh, but uh, now Joseph has these dreams that, that ultimately I believe God gave him. Uh, they were prophetic, prophetic dreams. And he shared them with his brother. You know, if you have a, a weird dream, a, a crazy dream, an interesting dream, you usually tell people about it. Um, and, and not everyone understands it. Oftentimes you don't understand them either. It's just something that was weird. Well, Joseph had these two dreams, and he, and he told them to his, to his family, and his brothers hated him more for it. And even in this case, his father rebuked him uh, for sharing this dream. But we know that this was adding to the problems that his brothers had with him. Look in verse number 18. Uh, as as uh, Joseph was going to check on his brothers, as his father asked him to, verse number 18, when they saw him after, uh, afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him, and cast him into the pit, into some pit, and we will say some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see uh, what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. Uh, thankful for Reuben. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands and deliver him to his father again. So we see ultimately what happened here is Joseph is thrown into a pit. Uh, the hatred was so intense they were going to kill him. Uh, Reuben thought, well, I can spare his life and eventually get him back to dad. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, still, Joseph was thrown into a pit, uh, into a well, it would seem. that says there's no water in it at the time. And they threw him down there uh, to conspire what to do with him from there. Still was some with the mindset of killing him eventually. Uh, again, Reuben said, well, well, I'll get him out eventually. Uh, and we know what happens with Joseph. In verse 26, it says, And Judah said unto his brother, And what profit uh, is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Uh, that's an interesting question. How does it benefit us to kill him? We don't gain anything from that other than not having our annoying brother around. Uh, verse 27, Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites, merchmen, uh, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. In this case, uh, Joseph's loved ones failed him. I don't know your life story necessarily, but I would assume at some point someone in your family has done something wrong to you. And the question is, is how do we react when a loved one fails us, when a loved one does us wrong? Um, I feel like family, when they hurt us, hurts the deepest. It's those who are supposed to be your support, those who are supposed to be your help, those who are supposed to love you more than anyone else. 
when they hurt you, it hurts deeper than anything else. And I think that when loved ones hurt us, it is very hard for us to overcome the bitterness that oftentimes comes with it. Joseph here was just doing what his father told him to do. The dreams he had, he shared with his brothers, and, and I understand why they may have taken it the wrong way. Uh, and, and with everything else that was building up with, with, with the way that their father treated Joseph compared to them, you can see from a human perspective how that could be very frustrating. Yet still, uh, the idea of let's kill him is a little rough, uh, maybe a little over the top. And, uh, and then throwing him into this pit and ultimately selling him into slavery. What did Joseph do to deserve that treatment? You see, oftentimes when we get hurt by someone, we ask that question, what did I do? What did I do to deserve that? And that ultimately starts to build into some bitterness because here we are thinking, I didn't earn that. I didn't deserve that. Joseph didn't do anything to deserve uh, conspiracy to murder him and then ultimately selling him into slavery. He was his dad's favorite. That wasn't his fault. Um, the way that his dad treated his brothers, that wasn't Joseph's fault. He had some dreams and he told some people, what's the big deal? It didn't deserve what the treatment that he got out of it. How did Joseph react to this? We don't read a whole lot about Joseph's reaction. We don't know what Joseph was thinking at this moment. We don't know. Uh, we know. He, I mean, I, we can assume he was very hurt. We can assume this. This was as he's sitting there in the pit, thinking to himself, "Come on, guys, what's the big deal?" As he was being uh, pulled away, as he was sold, you have to imagine the hurt in his heart as he's as he's leaving, and he knows. Uh, that more than likely he'll never see his father again. More than likely he'll never see his mother again. More than likely he'll never see his favorite sheep again. Uh, he's being pulled away from everything that he knows. And in that time, and, and, and what was happening to him, you had to believe that he, at that moment, thought, my life is over. It'll never be the same. In today's time, we have a hard time comprehending just how big of a of an impact this, this would have on Joseph. Because we sometimes read it as a story, don't we? Just as a storybook in Joseph's life, and we know the outcome, so we're kind of like, no big deal. But it was a very big deal. I've never been sold into slavery. And I would assume that I never will be. But to imagine being sold by your brothers into a life that you know is going to be miserable, knowing that you'll never see any of those people ever again, including your father and your mother, and the life that you lived. You had a pretty good life up until this point. And now it was over. We don't see anywhere where Joseph hates his brothers. We know at the end of the story, he doesn't hate his brothers. But I believe he, he experienced some deep hurt and so when we ask how did Joseph react, I wonder, how would you react? How would I react? If a loved one hurt me the way that his brothers hurt him. Maybe yet it's a better question to ask how have you reacted when loved ones hurt you? 
Did you go into the pity party? Did you go into the <clears throat> deep, dark uh, uh, archives of your mind? Did you, did you um, hate? Did you have great anger? Did you shut down? Did you say, I'll never talk to those people again? H how have you reacted when loved ones hurt you? I believe that we can see throughout history that we, if we've not yet been hurt by family, we probably will be. If you read the Bible and you watch how family treated family all throughout scriptures, you can just assume that more than likely at some point, someone in my family is going to do something to me that's going to hurt. How are you going to react? Not only did Joseph's loved ones fail him, and from everything that we read, we don't see any bitterness in Joseph's life. But number two, don't be bitter when leadership fails you. Look in um, verse 7 of chapter 39. <clears throat> chapter 39, verse 7, And it came to pass after these things that his master... So Joseph was brought to Egypt and sold to Potiphar's house. Verse 7, that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass that as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie with her, or by her, or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought an, an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He, hath, uh, he came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. Then she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. <clears throat> what do you do when leadership fails you? If you have a job, uh, more than likely, your boss at some point or another has done something that, that you felt was uh, not right to you, towards you specifically. Maybe you got criticized, maybe you got written up, maybe you got called into the office, maybe whatever happened... You got blamed for something that wasn't your fault, or you got mistreated uh, by a boss. I've had the privilege of having some pretty good bosses in my life. Um, my dad was my boss right out of college, um, and was that way for five years. Had others as well, but uh, directly was my was my dad. Uh, then 
uh, in Indiana when I was just a pastor. Uh, God was my boss. He was pretty good. Uh, then <laughs> I came here and uh, started working. And, and in the jobs that I've held here in Lexington, uh, very good bosses. I'm thankful for the bosses that I've had. Yet, still, there have been times where I think to myself, well, I didn't really deserve that. That wasn't very nice. Uh, they could have been more thoughtful. They could have um, seen what I did and, and, and appreciated it more and, and uh, those sorts of things. Leadership is going to fail you. You can look at it from all angles. You can go to the grand scheme of nationally. Um, your political uh, uh, officials are going to fail you, every single one of them. Your boss is going to fail you. What do you do? How do you respond? What did Joseph do to deserve this treatment from Potiphar and his wife? It says that daily, day by day, she was coming to Joseph with this. Day by day. <clears throat> and consistently he refused. Consistently he said no. Consistently he hearkened not unto her. And in verse number 12, when she caught him by the garment, he didn't try to reason with her. He left. He did what was right. He told her uh, earlier that uh, everything in this house I have access to with the exception of you because you're Potiphar's wife. Your husband uh, uh, trusts me. Your husband has entrusted me with, with all of these things and, and I am <clears throat> playing an important role in this house and there's a lot of things that I can do, but, but do what you're asking me, I cannot. And he asked, how can I do this sin, such wicked and sin against God? <clears throat> she lies about what happened. She actually flips the story and says the things that she was trying to do. She said Joseph was trying to do. She kept the jacket next to her until Potiphar came home and told him the story. He said, I haven't even moved the coat. This is where it was when Joseph left it. He tried to do this, and he tried to do that. and <clears throat> Potiphar, I don't think that Joseph had done anything in his life and anything in Potiphar's house to make Potiphar think that he would do this thing. Yet still, as we would expect, Potiphar trusted his wife over Joseph, and Joseph gets thrown into prison. How did Joseph react? Again, we don't see a whole lot, uh, anything, about exactly how Joseph reacted. But we don't read anything that would give us the idea that Joseph threw a hissy fit. We don't see anything that would give the idea that Joseph was angry or bitter towards Potiphar's wife or towards Potiphar. I've learned one thing from Joseph, well, among many things, is that it, it appears, and this is so, so understand this is just what it appears to me as, that Joseph kind of understood these people are wicked and they're going to do wicked things. But I'm not wicked. I'm going to do godly things. You know, oftentimes in life, we go through life and we, we get so mad at the world being evil. And we should, we should hate sin. But yet, we expect <clears throat> our lost co-workers and our lost bosses to act the way that we act. And it's just not going to happen. And I think one of the things that helped Joseph to not become bitter is the understanding these people are wicked people. They're going to do wicked things. But he also understood, I don't have to do those wicked things. 
I can react and live my life in a way that pleases God. I'm not going to sin against God. He doesn't say in sin against Potiphar, even though he explains that it would be that as well. But he says, how, how could I do this wicked thing and sin against God? He doesn't say, now Potiphar's wife, you need to be better than this. <laughs> he doesn't say that. At least not that we see anywhere. And I wonder oftentimes when those that are in leadership do us wrong, how do we respond? I, I go back to this and I think that it's easy for us when a political person or people pass a law that we know is wrong. And we kind of get in this mindset of, uh, this person can do no right. I hate everything about this person. I've not been like that. And instead of praying for those people, we just shut down on them. They're wicked people and they're going to do wicked things. God says pray for them. And God also says, do right. Obey me. Live the way you know you're supposed to. Yet, as leadership, whether it be on a, on a large scale or a small scale, does us wrong, oftentimes um, we just get angry and bitter. How would you react in this situation? I know I would be very upset. I get mad when I've done, not done wrong and been accused of doing wrong, right? I get mad about that. I'm like, listen, I've done wrong a lot in my life. This is not one of those times. So don't, don't, don't accuse me of doing wrong when I didn't do wrong. Wait till I do wrong and then accuse me of that. I ask the question again, how have you reacted? <clears throat> we can stand up to our leaders. We can speak out against our leaders. We can walk out of work. We have the freedom to do that, by the way. We have the freedom if our boss does something to us that we don't like. We can walk into the office and say, I quit. I'm not saying you should every time. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have a job. But nonetheless, we have that freedom to do so. You know, Joseph didn't have that freedom. As a matter of fact, Potiphar walked him out. Didn't give him the chance to walk out. Joseph couldn't walk in and say to Potiphar, your wife every day is coming to me and trying to get me to do this. And if you don't make her stop, I quit. <laughs> he couldn't do that. How have you reacted when leadership has failed you? Did you go and sit in a corner and find another person who you know doesn't like them either and start talking about them? Did you, did you find a way to... Uh, um, to, to slacken work so it affected them and then their bosses got mad at them? Uh, did you find a way to get even? You know, Joseph, <clears throat> even though his situation is different than ours, we never find a moment in Joseph's life where he says, I've been wronged and I'm angry and I'm going to do whatever I can to get back at them. Joseph, in a few chapters, if he wanted to, could have gotten back at Potiphar and his wife. We don't see that happening. Joseph, in a few chapters, could have gotten back at his family. Great opportunity. So, and he played with them a little bit. He had a little fun with his brothers. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> he didn't do what they deserved. Because he wasn't bitter about it. When your loved ones fail you and when your leadership fails you, don't be bitter. Number three, when your friends fail you. Look in chapter 40. Verse number 1. <clears throat> and it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against these two officers, uh, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them inward 
in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. I always wonder, what exactly do these people do? How does Pharaoh get so upset at the butler and the baker at the same time? Uh, nonetheless, um, verse 4, And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued a season in, in ward. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker, the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. So we have the butler and the baker. They're in prison right where Joseph is. Joseph is, is charged with them, and, uh, and they're there together. Look down in verse number 12. <clears throat> and Joseph said unto him, this is the interpretation uh, of the dream. Uh, uh, sorry of it. Uh, the three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand uh, after the former manner when thou wast his butler. Uh, but think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing, that they should put me into this dungeon." So we got the butler has a dream. This is a good dream for the butler. We're not going to talk about the baker today. He had a bad dream. Um, his head gets cut off. But uh, the butler has a good dream. And, uh, and Joseph interprets both dreams for the butler and the baker. Uh, but for the case of this, the, the baker didn't have a chance to do Joseph wrong. So we're going to focus on the butler today. And, uh, and he has this dream. And, and Joseph says, here's the deal of the dream. Three days, you're going to be restored. You're going to get your job back. Uh, when you do, don't forget about me. And uh, well, make sure you tell Pharaoh about me. I don't deserve to be here. If you could help me out, I'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, look in verse number 20, uh, 23. Uh, everything happened the way Joseph said it would happen. Verse 23, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph but forget him. The butler gets restored just as the dream um, happened and just as Joseph interpreted the dream to him. And, and it seems like immediately after getting out, the butler forgot all about Joseph. I wonder, how in the world do you forget about Joseph? Well, after seeing what happened to the baker, how do you not go, he was right? Hey, now see what happened in your life. You go, he was right. That was really incredible. That was really neat. Uh, how do you forget about him? The truth is, is uh, selfishness. <laughs> and oftentimes your friends, they're your friends until something better for them comes up. It's funny, I think back, I say funny, maybe it's sad, I don't know. Most of my friends from childhood were friends on Facebook, but as far as actually talking to each other, we really don't talk anymore. Maybe a birthday text or a message on Facebook, something like that, and something you know that comes up or whatever. But, but oftentimes, uh, I, I'm friends with the people that I've met in the last six to ten years, and the people that I grew up with, we just don't really talk anymore. And they haven't done me wrong or anything like that. But, but at the end of the day, you know, there's going to be friends. And, and we notice it a lot as kids, right? Uh, kids where they're your friend until a new cool kid comes. And then, then all of a sudden, they're over there now. Um, I mean, I never experienced that. I was always the cool kid. But uh, the, uh, <laughs> the uh, friends fail us. They're, we have expectations, and we say, okay, they're my friends, so if I need something, I can go to them for help, and then we go to them for help, and they go, I can't help you. I've got this going on, and this going on, and I don't have time for that, and I don't have money for that, and I don't have uh, the ability for that, or whatever it is, and, and when you expect people to help you, and they can't, then, then there you are sitting there by yourself going, what in the world? 
oftentimes in life we will experience times where friends will fail us and we'll get hurt, and oftentimes we want to respond by being bitter at them. Well, I never liked their stupid face anyways. Well, I'm going to block them on Facebook so they can't see what I'm doing anymore. Well, I'm, well, you know, whatever. Do what you want on Facebook. But at the end of the day, you're going to have friends that are going to hurt you, and you're going to have the opportunity to become bitter at your friends because of how they treated you. Here Joseph is in prison, and as the word that he puts it is that he's in a dungeon. I don't deserve to be in this dungeon. It's not a fancy prison. It's not the one with cable and all that kind of stuff. He's in a dungeon, and, and he says, hey, uh, you know, I was here for you. I need you to be there for me. And the butler forgot about him. Immediately, as though it appears, how would, did Joseph react? I'm sure he was disappointed. But we don't find anywhere that he became bitter. Because again, in just a few pages, Joseph would have had the opportunity, if he wants to, to send that butler back to prison. Here we see friendship sometimes hurting us. How would you react? Or even better yet, how have you reacted when friends hurt you? And I read through Joseph's life and I, I watch, especially as after he is promoted and, and he's given great authority and great power and he could do whatever he wants. We don't see Joseph react in a way that shows any form of bitterness whatsoever. And if I was in Joseph's case, man, when my brothers came to town, trust me, it would have been, been a problem for them. Uh Potiphar and his wife were going to be in some deep trouble. That butler, even though he eventually remembered me, uh, was going to make him do some things he didn't want to do. Because isn't that how we respond? If I have the opportunity to get you back, I'm going to get you back. There are people that we don't see for years and years and years, and all of a sudden they pop up on social media, and our first reaction is, I'm going to befriend that person on Facebook just so I can see how miserable their life is. So good, I'm not the only one. Uh, how did Joseph not get bitter? How in the world did Joseph, going through all these things, be able to come through it at the end of his life and see his brothers and, and, and have the patience to see if they were changed? How in the world did he do that? Well, we see it. Look back in chapter 39 and verse number 2. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Look down at verse 20 of, verse, of chapter 39. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison. Uh, that's not the verse I wanted. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Look in chapter 41 and verse number 51 and 52. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God said, uh, said he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of his second he called Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Go over to uh, chapter 45 and verse number 7. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth, 
and, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Verse 9, uh, Haste ye, and go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith the son of Joseph, thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. Go to chapter 50, and one of my favorite verses in the Bible, verse number 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. How did Joseph not get bitter when his family wronged him, when his leadership wronged him, and when his friends wronged him? It's because God never wronged him. It's because Joseph was living his life for God, and God never, never did wrong to Joseph. Yet in our lives, we get bitter, but it's because our focus is on the wrong thing. You still have a faithful God who will never leave you nor forsake you, a faithful God who will never fail you, but your focus sometimes is too, too often on the humans in your life, the family and the, the leadership and the friends, and you put so much dependence on them instead of dependence on God. And so when they fail you, you fall into bitterness instead of realizing that even though that person failed you, God has not. God can still care for you. God can still provide for you. God can still protect you. Joseph, time and time again, saw God's provision and protection for him. And by the way, that's a result of Joseph's obedience. God doesn't reward disobedience. And Joseph, when he was sold into slavery, he said, I'm going to be the best slave that there can be. Now, I'm reading into that a little bit, understand that. But I believe on what we see in Joseph's life, that was the determination in his mind. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do my best to be the right kind of person. And God blessed him for that. And Potiphar promoted him into, to authority as a slave. And he went to prison and God gave him favor with the, the prison guards. And they got promoted within the prison system and had some authority within the prison system. And ultimately, he comes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh promotes him to above everybody with the exception of Pharaoh. He's running a nation now. Well, what would have happened if Joseph uh, decided to sit around and pout because his brothers sold him into slavery? And when Potiphar said, hey, go clean this, or whoever told him to do it, Joseph said, what's the point? Potiphar's wife is probably going to accuse me of something anyhow. And goes to prison. What's the point? My brother sold me. Potiphar's wife lied about me. Something bad's going to happen here too. That's not how Joseph lived. Joseph lived seeing that God was taking care of him even in where were his darkest days. And so instead of becoming bitter, he stayed faithful to God. Why? Because God was staying faithful to him. And God is going to stay faithful to us too. It's where are your eyes? Where is your focus? What are you looking at in life? Where is your dependence? If it's on God, God will never fail you. How do we keep from being bitter? Well, we keep our focus on God. Because family will fail us, sadly. Leadership will fail us. Friends will fail us. But God will not. Joseph's life, we often look at it as a life of great obedience great faith, and it, and it was that. But even more than that, it's a story of a great God who said, Joseph, no matter how low you go, I'm going to be right there with you. Joseph, no matter how bad it seems, I'm going to be right there with you.
Remember Paul and Silas singing in prison? And you know there were people yelling, would you please be quiet? How can you be so happy when your feet and your hands are shackled? Because God's right there with us. Don't allow people to influence your temperament. Focus on God. And when those people hurt you, go immediately to God and God, God, I'm hurt. I need your help. Let God give you the comfort that only He can give you. When your leadership hurts you, go to God. When your friends fail you, go to God, because God will never fail you. And we see in Joseph's life this example, and to understand that we serve the exact same God that Joseph served. He's no different today. He never changes. I'm not going to get sold into slavery more than likely. But I am going to have loved ones hurt me. I was going to say I'm not going to have someone accuse me, but I, in today's world you never know. Uh, but I'm going to have bosses that fail me, leadership that fails me. And friends, without a doubt, friends come and go, sadly. Sometimes there are friends that are failing us consistently that we need to get away from. But friends are going to fail us, and, and when they do, we need to remember to keep our focus on God. Because Joseph was able to do that, and in doing so, Joseph was able to not only live a blessed life, not only live a life that was rewarded, but he also lived a life from everything that we can see that was free from bitterness. And bitterness will ruin you. You'll not be able to live and be the kind of spouse that you're supposed to be if you're bitter at someone. The kind of parent that you're supposed to be if you're bitter at someone. The kind of employee that you're supposed to be if you're bitter at someone. The kind of Christian that you're supposed to be if you're bitter at someone. So today, if you have someone that you've been holding on to this bitterness, give it to God. Let them know, God, my focus has been on this person and how they hurt me. God, forgive me and help me. More than likely, you have not experienced anything as hurtful as what Joseph experienced. But I guarantee you've experienced hurtful things. Things that cut very deep. Put your focus on God and understand He's there for you. And like Joseph, you can live a bitter, free life. Lord, I pray for your help. Bitterness is something that grabs hold of us. It gets a hold of our heart. And Lord, it just changes everything about us. It makes us hurt other people. It destroys segments of our life. And Lord, I pray that you would help us today that we would let go of this bitterness and that we would uh, have our heart free. Lord, I pray that we would give it to you and let you do with it what you uh, deem necessary and right. And God, would you help us today to stop focusing so much on other people and the effect they have on our lives, but Lord, to focus first on you. You have promised us that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. You've also promised us that you're the same God that was there for Joseph, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So often we forget just how good you are to us. And God, I pray that today you would help us to be refocused on you 
and on nothing else. God, help us to live a life that is focused on you so that we can refrain from bitterness. And Lord, again, if we have bitterness in our hearts today, I pray that we would take care of it. Uh, the only way that it can be taken care of and given to you. Lord, I pray that you would heal hurt. I'm sure that there are people today in this room that have been hurt and they still need to be healed. So Lord, we pray for that healing. God, I pray that you'd help us to be the right kind of family, that we would not do wrong to others. I pray that you'd help us to be the right kind of leadership. And Lord, that you'd help us to be the right kind of friends, that we are not the cause of bitterness in others. But Lord, that we will live an obedient life and a faithful life to you so that we can edify and encourage and lift up others. Lord, whatever area that needs to be fixed in our life today, I pray that you'd convict us of it and change us so that we can be right. And Lord, that we can follow you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. We won't have a time of invitation, but I would like to give you a moment to consider. Is there an area in your life that has been darkened by bitterness? Someone hurt you and you've been unable to let that go. You've been unable to forgive them. You've been unable in other areas of life now because of this bitterness to live correctly, biblically. If it is, I encourage you today to take care of it. I've learned that sometimes it's even incredibly helpful to get a hold of that person and say, I'm sorry. This happened. You don't always have to get specific, but this happened and, and I've been angry about it and I've had the wrong attitude about it. I've been bitter about it. I just want you to forgive me. And that's hard to do because sometimes we, we want them to, to come back with the I'm sorry too and they may not do that. It's not about them. It's about you and God. And if your heart is right, and if you're obedient to God, you can watch Him bless you for it. If you have bitterness today, I pray that you get it taken care of, however you believe the Lord wants you to do that. And I pray that you get your focus back on God. It's hard to do this, but I'm going to pray for you, and that God will be there for you, and, and He is, and that you'll commit it back to God. Lord, help us, forgive us where we need forgiven. Lord, help us to mend relationships where they need to be mended. And God, help us again just to, to be right with you and be focused on you, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, thank you for your good attention this morning. Um, as every week, we have lunch uh, provided. Uh, our church family has, has uh, 